Welcome back, guys. I just wanted to pause and see how long it would take you to wait for the crack. Go ahead. Go ahead and crack that beer. Welcome to No Puns Allowed. Your facial expressions, your enthusiasm. I couldn't, you know. Yes. Podcasts, like, yes, visual. But, like, yeah, you are excited. So, cheers, by the way. Yeah, cheers. Cheers to draft week. Cheers to draft week. I want to... Okay. This is not a draft podcast. Disclaimer. No. We got to make sure. Just full so, disclaimer. So, okay. We don't care about big boards. I care a little bit because I'm a Jets fan. I care about big boards. I don't care about mock drafts because I feel like that's. I kind of care. But I don't want to be the mock You care because you're guy. a Jets fan. I don't care because I'm a Niners fan and it really hasn't meant that much. Yeah. We get some Niners stuff. But it is draft week. So what are your. Okay. You don't normally work the draft, right? No. Like for, okay. No, I have in the past, which, by the way, is a very, very stressful event to work if you're alerting it. I, yeah. Oh, God. Yes. The notifications for, like, picks one through 8,000. Yeah. Um, no, but what is your, so what is the normal draft routine? Are you drink wine? Yes. Tequila in your instance? No, wine, no? actually. Okay. It's usually wine, and it's me, like, being sad over, like, all the suns that I'm losing to the NFL. Not to say that I can't watch them on Sundays, but it's weird to go from enjoying them on on Saturdays in that environment and having them go somewhere where, you know, it could work out, it could not. Um, And the game is different. So um, it's always kind of like an emotional thing for me. I always get like kind of like, all right, there goes my guy. And I just like shed a little tear for that. Um, And I always feel that way watching like the combine and stuff like that. But the draft day is, is real. But I love the like hollywood aspect of it the like suits the like reactions with their parents their like kids the viral videos of them taking their phones from their girlfriends like all of those things are funny um and a fun aspect of it uh but the the nitty-gritty of like who goes where i don't really worry about until after but some of it i i say that and then i watch the draft i'm like that was such a terrible pick like i don't know why they didn't see the potential in this guy (laughs) i get very defensive of the guys that i know were good Oh, for sure. Like, I'm with you. Now, It's if you root for a bad NFL team like I do, yes. New York Jets, the draft is our Super Bowl, right? This is it. This is the best day of the year because this is optimism. As you drink your glass straw, that shatters <laughs> my ear. Um, I've got thoughts on the glass straw. We'll get to those later. But, we'll talk about the glass straw. Um, yeah, it sounds like a, it's like a, something else. The glass, like the final. <laughs> yeah, the glass straw. Um, it's legitimately a it's glass, a glass straw. straw. No, it's a I'm fascinated by this but so the draft usually for me is like a high alcohol consumption night mm-hmm. and you just kind of watch and enjoy like you're, you're yeah. right it's like it's graduation for us yes got, that's such know? a good way of putting it it's like, it's like oh. bittersweet but i am i am always curious though because like we cover college football and there's some players who are just phenomenal like mm-hmm. like Blake Willis, though, is like a really interesting example of like a guy who had a ton of buzz, didn't have a very good year, right? Did not have a very good year, mm-hmm. played for a small school, goes to senior bowl is great, and like, you know, just works out. And all of a sudden, it's like he might be the top quarterback drafted. Like, I yeah. think it's the cool part of the draft. It's also the part of this, the science. Trayvon Walker. Like, here's a dude on Georgia's defense. We were there. Like I like Nicobe Dean. I just don't fathom how you wouldn't select this guy. Every game I watched, it was like a robot that would just hit the shit out of people. Yeah. Right. You've got you've got all these players, and then someone like that who just emerges throughout this process. Six four, two hundred seventy five pounds, ran great, and could be the number one pick. 
it's what I love about the draft. It's also kind of the the part about the draft that is the hardest to follow. Like unless you mm-hmm. do this, it's kind of like recruiting page. Like if you try to cover recruiting, and I did this many years ago, like re- covered recruiting from afar. Unless you do this shit three sixty five, yes. you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like truly, it, it's really really hard to, especially because like like you said, a lot of it is. The okay, they didn't really get seen, and then maybe now they're they're emerging in a different setting. It's kind of hard when you're not you, and there's so many players to have eyes on. That's the problem too. Is there's so many of them. It's not like other drafts. I feel like even where like in the NBA, there's like a certain threshold that like after this pick, you're not really sure where it could go. And I feel like it's easier to evaluate basketball players than it is NFL players. I'm sure someone's gonna be so pissed that I said that, but I feel like it's a lot easier to evaluate who's going to be good in the NBA than who's going to be good in the NFL. Um, so it's definitely not a job I envy of the people who do that. And also the ones of recruiting, because that is, that's a whole different can of worms that I, I don't even want to touch because it's just absolute chaos currently. But we do enjoy covering people yes. in the draft that we like at the college level. You obviously are known for writing profiles and features on punters. That is your thing. It is it your... Is. Your wheelhouse, and we, I, and I didn't even realize it until I was sending an email about this this feature that we did on Matariza. Um, we, I was sending an email, and I was like, Kramer is back riding on punters again, and like it's because it's such a norm for you. And yes. I'm glad that we did it, but I did want to give you sort of the floor to talk about that interview process, sort of what yeah. you learned throughout it, and the interesting tidbits that were sort of in that piece that maybe you know we haven't heard from you know him in the the draft process so it felt amazing to do, work on a feature together again because it had been a while and you're right it's fitting that it's a uh, it's a punter because mm-hmm. we've done australian punters we've done lefty kickers 80 year old kickers <laughs> whatever but so you know again it goes to our connection to these players throughout the process like matt Ariza mm-hmm. last year was you know 86 yard punt 86 fucking yard punt like i knew i was <laughs> in love but I think what's most interesting about it, right? So you have a punter here who could be, who is a unicorn, who could be like a unique piece for a team that already has a lot. And I think the whole thing that is fascinating to me, beyond the player himself, he's a lefty, he kicks field goals, he does kickoffs, he averaged, he broke all these records, Paige. But I think the part that's really interesting is like, what's the value of a kick-ass punter mm-hmm. in the league? Like you punt a lot in the NFL. And you're going to need him to give your defense, like, space and relief. Like, San Diego State this year, which we watched a lot of, but they won 12 games. They won six games by single digits. Um, This dude was kicking, you know, 70, 80-yard putts most games and kicking field goals. And they won largely because of him. So the part I'm, like, fascinated by in this, just as, like, a fan of the sport and just talking to people, no one really knows how to quantify what a killer punter will do, like what he's worth. Where do you take somebody like this? And I think in talking to people, sweet spot is the third round. He may go undrafted. Like it's a rarity to have a – I don't think he'll go undrafted. Somebody will take him. But it's a rarity to have someone where like no one, because the sport is in constant motion, offense, pieces, whatever. Yes. No one has a fucking clue exactly where this kid is going to go, including his camp. They just know what they want to be. And I, I just find that whole part fascinating. Yeah. The interesting part that stood out to me was 
you know, the feedback that he got originally when he was making his decision, because a lot of these guys consult a lot of different people, and the feedback for him was, you should go. Like, you should go this year to the draft. But then when he got to the combine, he was flat out told, like, you're not ready. And I don't and I don't know if it's he's not ready. I don't know if the NFL is ready for him yet. He'll start putting sort of a different value on everything that he can do kind of moving forward, I think. But as of right now, the NFL isn't necessarily the game itself is not in a position where they need a punter to take to take a punter in the draft. You know what I mean? It's just not sure. one of those things. But um I thought it was fascinating that the feedback he got was that, and then he gets there and he's interviewing, and an NFL team's like, "You're not ready," and it's like, I wonder if part of that was to get his reaction to For it. Sure, and yeah. and obviously he did amazing at the combine when that interview happened. So, um, well, yeah, also, I think that stuff is just so fascinating. the The science behind this is he was beating the shit out of footballs over returners' heads. There were some games <sighs> where teams would have two returners. Like mm-hmm. a short one and like the, oh my God, I can't believe he kicked it here. So the part of this that I think is really cool too, and Ariza is fun about, like he knows that those kicks are dangerous. Mm-hmm. He talked about kicking it to Tyree Kill. If you kick the ball 70 yards in the air to Tyree Kill, he yeah. probably has 25, 30 yards to catch yes. ahead of steam. Yes. But he also was not to say like, you know, okay, like I'll conform to the NFL and kick it really high. But then he's like, dot, dot, dot. But. I'm still going to kick the shit out of footballs. Like you best believe. So I do think there's like a, uh, like a style clash here of what made him so great in college and how his game evolved. I'm a little disappointed, quite honestly, that like teams aren't going to try him as a field goal kicker to start a little surprised too. Like he was not a world-class field goal kicker. He was good. He was an elite kickoff guy, which he'll probably do an elite punter. But the value of that, in like three positions with one player, like I would think that would be a commodity. And it doesn't seem like that. The NFL is like too scared of yeah. it. Like the NFL is like, eh, we're going to do yes. our thing. You the know NFL what I mean? is not big on utility players like baseball is, but no. um, it's definitely a good read. So if you haven't had the chance, please go to Bleacher Report, our, our shameless plug, and sure. look the, the up the Matariza um, feature that Kramer wrote this past week. It was great. Um, Thank you. Another draft thing that I saw circulating on the internet today was the Rams have a draft house that they got. So not they couldn't just do it from McVay's house or something um, because it a la Cliff Kingsbury. But they got this house. It's massive. It's like decked out Rams. But they also, the like other plug on this is that the person, the like realtor company that helped them find this house is... Um, the cast of Selling Sunset. I don't know if you've heard of this Netflix show. No. It's basically like the most beautiful women you've ever seen selling houses in like Hollywood in LA. Um, And it's also a reality show. There's a lot of drama and things like that on it. There's definitely more to it. But um, it's incredibly funny that like this is the play that we're going with. There's like the picture of like the Rams staff and like the the girls from Selling Sunset. I'm like, you know, you got. I guess I've been watching um Winning Time on HBO Max, which yes. is the documentary about the or the not the documentary. It's a show on the Showtime Lakers. Jerry West, and I not guess happy. yeah, yeah. Jerry was very not happy, which I sort of understand. Me too. Um, but. It's funny to like see the like Hollywood set, like hard Hollywood sell of the Rams. Like you just want a Super Bowl. It's fine. Like you don't need to do this, but okay, sure, why not? 
I, of course, it's going to be like sponsored. Uh, I have, by the way, been watching some Real Housewives. It's been on oh. my house. Not like I'm not seeking this out. Wait, which the, one? Uh, what's the one with Teresa? What is that? Los oh, Angeles? Oh, New Jersey? Oh, it is New Jersey. That's right. Yeah, it's a bunch of like Italians like me. Um, <laughs> the Italians. So this show stresses me the fuck out. Okay. Like it, it's, she <laughs> stresses me out. Okay. Okay. So I'm writing, and I've been doing a lot more writing at night lately, um, mm-hmm. and this is on, and like normally I can write through pretty much anything. Like that's me. Yeah. I, I'm, I can work well with distractions. I can't do it with this show. Like everybody's so mean, and I can't look at – it is Teresa now, right? Like with the, yes. Like, okay. Like it, I don't know what has happened to her face, right? A lot. <laughs> but it this show – Makes me very uncomfortable. Like I have to watch it through my hands. You, I, you hate confrontation. I hate it, and so I can't imagine I, you trying to. Also, like I'm imagining, like on TikTok, there's always these um, like wives that videotape their husbands, where it's like, I can't believe you watch this crap, and they're like standing watching the Kardashians, that's, that's what I do. Or, like The Bachelor. Yep. And I imagine you are that guy. Um, but those shows very much you because you get invested, and then you start like picking teams that's why i said like college football if like if you like want your significant other who watches the real housewives to be in on a sport college football is the one to do it because they kind of bicker like all of the like head coaches and like do passive aggressive things and say catty things to each other and like are all vying for attention because like that's how you get recruits it's the best like that's just the gateway to getting people to into college football would be the real housewives and i would say oh i agree I, by the way, Tiki Barber on the show, like yeah, I was like, oh, oh yeah, I Tiki, about that. I was like, oh man, and then I got sad for him. I'm like, oh no, this is not Tiki. Is like nice and like seems like very cold. Like no, Tiki, get out of here. And I asked, I was like, asked my wife, I'm like, is she's like, oh, he seems really nice, like kind of out of place on this show with all, yeah. like. So I, I am that that person though you mentioned where I'm like, oh my god, this is so negative. Like you got to turn this off, and then I'm like watching it while typing like what's going to happen next who's going to call who a motherfucker because somebody like it has not met its daily quota of somebody getting called a motherfucker or threatening to fight i'm Um, gonna need you to watch the new season of beverly hills because i think that's a good one all right Um, it's probably one of the best um they are going to revamp the new york one that used to be my favorite but i it's definitely entertaining and i also would like give anything for, I know they used to have a show called Wags on E, but like yes. I would give anything for like a Real Housewives of College Football during the season just to like follow them around and have them like lunch together, like the wives before the games and things like that. Like I would yes. give anything to like see Miss Terry sit at lunch with Kirby's wife, like before oh the God. Georgia game. Like I would give anything to see the like fakeness of all that. Not to, I mean, Miss Terry would obviously be genuine because she's an angel sent Careful from now. Yep. But but I'm just saying, I feel like The Real Housewives of College Football would be an excellent show. I think it is an amazing idea. The sport, that kind of contrast. It's like what F1 has done, honestly, with Netflix, yes. and, which has helped. I think college football would excel there. Now, let's go – actually, before we go draft, let's talk some drafty things. Now, our sports teams, uh, you are a 49ers fan. Yes. I am a Jets fan. There mm-hmm. could – I say that because y'all's – Best player and one of my favorite college players of the last 10 years, Debo Samuel. Oh, God. So good. Uh, um, Wants out, we think. Or he wants more money, right? And Well, 
the the rumor is that they're willing to give him that money and it's not about money. And I'm like, okay, interesting. So he doesn't want to play running back? Like I don't I don't know what the situation is. It sounds like there's a lot of different opinions out there. The other part of this is that they haven't like yes, he's request it said obviously he said he requested a trade, but that doesn't mean the 49ers are trading him. Like by the I don't, way, if they are, did, I'd be upset. There are odds on this. I'm on DraftKings. This is gonna be an odd centric next yeah. 15 minutes. But Debo's next team, God bless gambling, minus 205, San Francisco 49ers, New York Jets plus 450. Then you've got Eagles at uh, plus 1,000, Bears plus 1,600. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, you've got the LaFleur connection with him too with the Jets. Like yeah, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of Jetsy vibes. I would love someone like Debo on my team. Um, but no one wants to play for the Jets, so I'm not going to hold out hope. But I do, it's like... He is a college player that has made it in the NFL. And I mean that because they use him like I would use a player in like the NCAA video game. Like mm-hmm. he's sort of a Reggie Bush, like how Reggie Bush could have been used is Devo. And it works yeah. and he's exciting and all the wide receivers get paid. So why the hell not him? So I am curious though, because the way this is being reported, Paige, does feel like it's something's happening. Something is not right. Good. Something you know is I mean? not right. And I don't know if it, I mean, even though like Jimmy Garoppolo situation is weird, yes. like it's all it. very weird. Um, and we don't really know much, but also like, I think that's the way the 49ers like it. So him, him telling someone that he requested a trade was his way of sort of forcing their hand, I think, to be like, look, I'm, I'm serious. I want out. And it has to be pretty bad for that to be the case. I know that it. It usually takes a lot for a player to get there because I feel like they understand the business and they don't want to seem like a problem child and to especially if they want to go to other teams. Um, yeah, I this is it's very fishy and very weird and it makes me so incredibly nervous that like things are not shifting in the right direction. I I would tend to agree, and for the Jets' sake, I, I hope so. I I hope so. I'm I'm sorry, but if he's going to go anywhere. Bring him, please, to me in my shitty football team. Please. Debo, I'm so sorry. But you'll be very rich if you go to the Jets. You're going to be very rich anyways. Um, Okay. We are not going to do draft stuff again. Um, You keep saying that, but we've talked about draft stuff. I do. No, I know. I know. But what we are going to – I do want to talk about is betting the draft. Now, Paige, like a couple of years ago, this is like like the, the level of offerings is pretty wild to me. And I'm not – again, I like these college players. I follow enough. But it's really interesting, the betting markets and the way things change. Mm-hmm. And I always am curious because, for example, I'll use, I'll use an interesting one. Kayvon Thibodeau, who I think is one of the best players. Uh, if you were going to ask me who I'd like the Jets to have at number four, it would be Kayvon Thibodeau. But in like the last – you know, at the time we filmed this, the last 24, 36 hours at the number two pick, Kayvon Thibodeau on DraftKings and everywhere became the favorite. At plus 150. Now, it's really close, right? you got Hutchinson at plus 160. If he doesn't go number one, you've got Trayvon Walker plus 450. So, like, we talk about, like, the way odds move for games. Like, all of a sudden, like, an injury happens or something happens. Someone puts money on a team who may know something or perceive to know something or a smart opinion. You have this in the draft as well. And it seems like now Kayvon Thibodeau is that guy. Why I think it's fascinating. You and I talked about him, I don't know, four to six weeks ago where his weird comments about Alabama. Like he he has not had a great 
He has not had a great Drag. couple of months. Yeah. And yet now it feels like it's coming full circle. But the fact that the betting markets may or may not, like, I don't know how accurate they are. I find it hilarious, though, that they are picking up steam before the draft begins. I think it's crazy that, like, okay, when you bet on, like, games, you there really is no way to guarantee that these things, but think about the people, like, not to say that this is going on, but, like, think about the people that, like, work for teams. Yes. Like, you mean to tell me you're not going to, like, drop? I mean, you obviously need to trust this person a lot, but, like, if I say I was a GM and I, my significant other was, like, in the other room and I am having a conversation and they happen to put money on, do you think they monitor if like significant others of like GMs and coaches put money on this stuff? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, the, I don't know. The, I feel like you would the have limits, to. The limits are small normally, right? But because still, it's like, but still it's, it's for sure. money. Oh, for sure. No, no, no. And they're small, but they're mighty and there's more but, of these but things. That's, there, I mean, there's definitely a reason for that, but like you can, you for, can, the, for what you say, the exact reason, exactly. There could be a lot of, like, insider trading here <laughs> in terms of draft. Like, games are really unpredictable and, like, other things that you bet on. But this feels like a – if you – if and also if you're good, I was saying earlier, like, I think mock drafts are really difficult because I think it's really hard to know out of all the players. who. I mean, the top couple, it's kind of easier. But, like, sure. as you get further down and also the odds are a little bit better further down, like, if you're pretty good at this, you could make some money off of the draft order. Well, that's – the Thibodeau thing is that exactly it. Does someone know something now that at number yeah. two, like, that's going to happen? Now, okay, I have some – I'm just going to throw some things out there that I find interesting. By the way, we talked about Matt Ariza. There is a Matt Ariza uh, – Prop bet here. There is? Um, well, there is a first special teams player drafted. You have Matt Ariza at plus 125. You have Jordan Stout plus 500. Cade York plus 650. Um, also, wait, wait, Cam- Cameron, Cameron Dicker is on here, which is a great kicking name. Always. And forever. Cameron Dick- Dicker. Dicker the kicker. Um, Mr. Irrelevant. Mi- yes, you could bet on Mr. Irrelevant. Um, you can oh, you bet can on... bet. You can bet if it's going to be offensive or defensive. Yes, and the odds are the exact same. Yes, you can bet on Wait, top five. The... There's a safety, uh, special teams props, college I props. Why do I not? Oh, there it is. There it is. So the total number of SEC players drafted in the first round over or under ten and a half. By the way, um, minus thirty five <sighs> over. The next highest is. Big Ten at six and a half just means more. Just saying. Um, it just means more. I mean, it, it is just like, so who's going to draft Kenny Pickett? Panthers plus 150. Saints plus 200. I kind of like the Panthers, by the way, for this. Um, Steelers plus 350. Who's going to draft Malik Willis? It's really the same teams, by the way. Um, so I am just in awe. I don't love any of this. Although I do kind of like Matt Ariza at plus 125 to be the yeah, first I'm, specialist. Like, I'm, that feels I think like we're going to go. I'm going to go out on a limb and say maybe we should we should do sprinkle a little. A little sprinkle? You know, you know how I feel about sprinkling. The other, the other guy, again, I could go for days on this, but the other guy, and this is in your wheelhouse, that I think has been fascinating is Jamison Williams. So Jamison Williams, so holy shit, is he fucking fast. Um, the SEC championship game is one of the craziest things I've ever seen because – George's dudes were, you know, again, a bunch of cyborgs, and he was just flat out outrunning them, out sprinting them, embarrassing them. Blows out his knee, 
in the playoff game. Like, it sucked. Yeah. But now, like, again, Jets homered him. His, play, his draft spot, over or under 14 and a half, the under is minus 165. Like, Paige, he may be the first wide receiver drafted, and his knee was torn to shreds. A, that's amazing, and B, oh my God, that dude is so fast. Um, so I think that maybe you and I should come up with like a solid couple of bets that we want producer Matt to make into a graphic for us because now I mean, that I'm looking at this, I wasn't going to bet. This is your fault. I know. Adam. Um, I wasn't going to bet on the draft, but here we are. Um, there's so many bets. There's so many bets. So we'll come up with some solid ones and put them in writing so we can see them. Maybe we'll do a a bet if we're on different sides of, of the coin. Oh, boy. That's never good good news for me. Um, Why? You always win. I've lost. No. I Last time, no one won. And I was very close to losing. <laughs> Like it was bad. Like it was it was not good. Um I'm in on this. I am just though I am in awe of all of the fucking props. I didn't here. know that you could do this. I I knew that there was obviously like things you could bet on in the draft, but wow, this is this is next level. Shout out DraftKings. Um, yeah, this is great. You should, you know, DraftKings just saying we're giving you a lot of like <laughs> we are giving you a lot of love here. Just, just saying. We've been perusing your wonderful offerings here for a good ten minutes. Just but saying. We, so the draft will be fun. Um, I will be. It will be my first date back uh, from Disney World. We'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah, we do. Need so to I, don't, talk about that. I don't. I don't know what kind of shape I will be in, but I am excited for the draft. Yes, we are going to do an episode later in the week to just wait until after the draft um, yes. to talk about it. So that will come out Friday, hopefully. Um, yes, we will get that out to everyone. Um, but. There was some college football-ish news Yay. today. Um, Lincoln Riley wrote a Players' Tribune piece. And it it was very generic. I will say there wasn't really much to it. And you guys know that I'm very biased because I love Lincoln Riley and think that he can do no wrong. But he talks about how like the process all went down and how quickly it all went down in terms of taking the USC job. And he said he did have like a team meeting with Oklahoma players, so they knew. And he wishes that he could have talked to other players afterwards individually. Um, he said he had talked to some, but he has like some regrets about how it all went down. But he doesn't like specifically say what those regrets are. I think he's just a nice guy and trying to be like, look, I this was the right opportunity for my family at this time. But, like, this is the nature of it. Like, what else was he supposed to do differently? I don't know. I Was there something that you thought that he didn't handle well? Because, I mean, recruiting-wise, he needed to get there. Like, I don't know. I just didn't see – and maybe I would feel different if I was an Oklahoma fan. But I didn't think it was that, like, terrible of an exit. There's no good way to leave a team. No, like, especially one that you were, like, groomed to take over and, like, no. all those things. There's no good way to do this. It sucks for your players. Um, the way it's reported, he has no control over unless he's floating it. Like, yeah. so it, it, like, I feel for these coaches, like even the Brian Kelly thing, when it went down, it was like, you know, how he handled it. And Brian Kelly's an asshole, this and that. I get it. Lincoln Riley though, I guess my only thing would be like, he does not strike me as the LA guy. Like, I am really interested to see how this – now, he's got a really nice L.A. house. He seems yeah, to be fitting in well. That we would love to be invited to, yeah. to yes. check out the to, wine cellar. Just just wine cellar and pool and, you know, but I, I do Vibes. wonder – like, I it's, you know, it's – I guess that there's no good way to do that. That didn't mm-hmm. rub me the wrong way. 
He yeah. got paid a bajillion dollars and is out in L.A. and it's great content. Like, I had no issues with that part of it. I think it's cool that he can opine about it in this setting. Like, I mean, that's a neat way for him to to acknowledge at least, hey, this kind of sucks. But I do wonder just his personality on a grander level because he does seem like a pretty normal guy. Like, that is not a normal job. That is not a normal town. I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just the expectations are going to be crazy, and he's he's got to be equipped to handle it. And it really is interesting to see how he does that, beyond the piece itself. Yeah. I I feel for him because I feel like like no matter what happens this year, I mean, I feel like it, despite anything other than winning a national championship, which I don't think is going to happen, is going to be falling short and there's going to be criticisms of certain things, but I I think he's a good fit for LA. I feel like he's a little swaggy. I mean, he was, you know, sponsored by it, Oklahoma was a Jordan school. I feel like he was able to recruit guys and guys like resonated with him. So, I don't know. I I disagree that he's just not an LA guy. I think he I think he can be an LA guy. I think, you know, even with access, there's just some things, some breadcrumbs of like access to his program which was like, you know, not great in Oklahoma, shutting it down when they asked ask weird questions like he just it'll be interesting to see how he handles that because it's just going to be the attention Oklahoma's a massive school right it's not like he was at like Boise State like doing this thing Oklahoma's a huge job um and again it's kind of a compliment to him like I don't necessarily think he's the sunglasses high profile fit like it's not a bad thing it's almost like a good thing like he just seems like a pretty down-to-earth dude that is really good at scripting plays and people want to play for. So I'm just, I am fascinated to see how it translates. I've said this on the pod. I've said this everywhere. Um, We are not going to be, and you said it, we are not going to be able to have a sane opinion about his team this year. Mm -hmm. They're either going to be wonderful or they're going to suck. Mm -hmm. Like if they win eight games and there's some good in there, you're going to be like, you can't say like, hey, that's a nice first step. First year, no. We, no, we won't be all. able to do that, right? Like we're there are so be many places where that would be acceptable, and USC is not one of them. Yeah, which stinks. And I just wonder, not just him, what the weight of that is going to be. Yeah, and we'll find out. Oh, I can't wait. I I am so excited. I, it after college basketball, I needed like a little bit of time, but now I'm like, okay, I'm ready for college football to be here because there's so many things to talk about. There's so many new head coaches. There's so much going on that I just I can, I cannot wait. Mass um, chaos. Now, let's talk about your baseball team. Oh, Jesus. <sighs> okay. I saw this picture last night. Yes. All right. Let me let me take a step back. We do – I it, the empty stadium <laughs> shots bother me from time to time because there's got to be a disclaimer here. We do this like with Miami football. We've done it with a lot of teams where it's like empty stadium. Hey, it's 40 minutes before a game and the stadium's empty. Well, no shit. I'm People sorry, I didn't there. hear a single thing you just said. Did you hear the music on my computer just went off? No. That was you, the... I don't panicking? know. I, I don't know if that was like, if you could hear it on my, my I did audio, not hear. I did not hear a thing. That was hilarious. And, I'm and so was, sorry to interrupt your rant, but my face was like, where's that coming from? I like looked everywhere and it just like opened on my computer. No, the only thing anyway. I have heard a handful of times is your fucking glass straw, which again... <laughs> I'll address that <laughs> in a later at a later time. Um, we will talk I, about my glass drop, but I have, sorry I have to interrupt. 
Okay, no, so. so all right, so so sometimes we play up the empty stadiums. College yes. football, like forty minutes before a game, you take a picture of a college stadium. Of course, it's going to be empty. People are drinking in the parking lot. Okay, Paige, it, there was an ump. The game is going on. Okay, mm-hmm. I studied this A's picture. Mm-hmm. The ump is there. There are people in their positions. The game has started. It was thirty-seven hundred people. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Like yeah. I know. Um, I know that attendance is an issue, but like this, this will, this is your baseball team too. So I want to be sensitive about this, Mm. but that can't last, right? Like what's the, what's the end game here? It's been this way for a really long time. I think people are forgetting that this has been an issue for a very long time. I think the, the problem that I had with all of these comments about it is that it's like people are blaming the fans. Like, oh, they're not showing up. It's like, well, okay, would you show up for your team if, first of all, it's a weekday. They started on the road. They started the season on the road. They're, they've been, they're back now, but they 10 games on the road to start the season. Awesome for the A's. Great. Thanks, MLB. Um, and they did okay, by the way. They're, yes. not, they're not playing terrible. They're like, not terrible. Here's the No, thing. no. But when you have promised a new stadium over and over and over again, and all we've heard is that, that it's the city's fault that this isn't happening, and, um, I mean, they're being sued. They, I, owners sold off all of our, like, decent players, all of our best players, okay, just to put money in their own pockets, and it's embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. Not, and only that, ticket prices, I gotta tell you, my, my stepdad was a, like, all access, which is, like, sort of like our season ticket type deal like package you can get they the prices are raised it's it's what you get out of this stuff is not the same as it used to be things have changed you also have to understand this is the bay area where like mask mandates and like being able to go to these things and getting out and going and doing things is still relatively new here so there's all these factors that factor into it but the main point of this is this is an ownership problem and has been for a while I don't think that, and I said this when um, the Howard Terminal, which is like the place that they want to build the new um, stadium, that got approved. The plans for that got approved. I don't want a new, like, I don't want a new ballpark anywhere but where the A's are. Howard Terminal's fine, whatever. It's going to be a smaller, more intimate ballpark. That was the promise. But at this point, ownership has such a bad rap. Like, you're not even going to find players that want to come here and it was so sad to watch Matt Olson and Matt Chapman post things about being in Oakland. And Matt Chapman specifically was like, the city of Oakland deserves a new ballpark. And I think that those guys were willing to like stay and be a part of that, knowing what they could do. But it just was, it wasn't going to put money in the pockets of the owners. And so they're basically given a big F you and sold them off when they could. And this is, this happens all the time. Like we're used to this. This is, we there's a whole movie dedicated to the fact that this happens and has happened and they have great players and they just ship them off because they're not willing to pay them and at what point do you say like even the mlb like at what point do you say like this is not a good situation for this team i think you're there like that was where i was last night and like you're right it's not new if i was a fan there it'd be exhausting because it's the narrative and yet there's some truth to the narrative that like like, Olsen is a phenomenal player. By the way, the amazing thing in all this is that y'all continue to, like, 
make the playoffs or be competitive, which yeah. is which be- is pretty amazing. Because you know the other I mean? part Consider- of this is any player that's played in Oakland will not say that the fans are terrible. Like that will never be a thing. It's like the Correct. facilities suck. We're obviously, you know, want things to change, but no one's ever like, oh, wow, the A's fans aren't coming out because the ones that do show up are super loyal. And also I would like to say to anyone on Twitter coming for A's fans and saying they're not loyal, come over to the Bay and say it to their face and see what happens. Because legitimately, it's so annoying. It's like you know nothing about it. All you hear is the same narrative like, oh, the A's suck. They sold off all their players and fans aren't coming because of this. And fans are fair weather and only are there when they have the good players. No. By the way, I'm actually might be going to the A's game tomorrow. So like... I, and, and maybe I you'll fight say, a hater. I, what? Maybe you'll fight a hater. Like, <laughs> right? Come I'm like, say it to my face. Come say it to my face. What you, but, I mean, tell Ace fans that they're not loyal and they will go off. So, I mean, I'm sitting here literally in front of a whole <laughs> slew of Ace bobbleheads. And guess where you get those? At Ace games. There are people going. I've been going my whole life. Oh, God. So, That's I don't... Ace bobblehead like, collection. Yeah, we're using the. That's how desperate A's fans are at this point to be like, "Can you guys leave us?" Also, way to kick us while we're down. You guys know that we sold off everybody in our morning. Like, come on. Um, what I think would be uh, kind of okay. The alternative. Let's let's go down the rabbit hole though. Let's say they get sold and they move to Vegas, right? Yep. Which seems like the, I don't know, a certainty. They're not selling them. They're gonna. They should. They're gonna move them. I would. I don't think the that. Um, they will sell the A's. I think they will move them. Although they should be sold. I hope Mr. Gap gets rid of our team. Um, Sorry. Just love the, the, now I can't stop staring at the A's bobbleheads in the background. Just like tormenting me. Uh, but Vegas, you could have a Vegas team. Like, yeah, how many A's in the back of here are still on the team, by the way? Um, I don't think there's anyone that's still on the team. But like Matt Olson and Matt Chapman are down here. Shamanaya, mm. Josh Donaldson. Mm. Oh, geez. We got Mark Ellis. That's my favorite Oakland A's player ever because he actually was on the A's for 10 years, which is probably, I think, the longest that anyone out. I think in the, after the, like, back-to-back championship team, I think that's the longest someone has ever played for the A's. So shout out Mark Ellis. I have signed baseball from one of his last games as an Oakland A. Um, yeah, we've got Dennis Eckersley. He, he does not play for the A's anymore. <laughs> no, no, but that's a great bobblehead. <laughs> yeah, these Catfish Hunter... Oh yeah, we got, nice. we got Reggie Jackson by the blue. We've yeah. got all of them, so we've yeah, got a got good, good collection. Ace. But these are also all things that you get when you go to not all of them, but most of them are what you get when you go to games. So look, there are Ace fans. Please don't blame them. They're already mad enough, sad enough. Clearly, um, if they do move to Vegas, I don't know that I can root for a Vegas team. Why? Because I'm. It's not like I was a, a Raider fan and I could like I don't know. That's just it seems weird. Would you Would you adopt a California team? Oh, God, no. Over my dead okay. body by Wanna, the Giants Mets? fan. How about some Mets? I, no, don't do that. You know, I was like, I'm our, why don't I go somewhere where it's not as sad? You oh. know? No, but now we got uh, Uncle Steve and we got some money. Like, it's the opposite. Like, y'all y'all can't like buy players. We just buy everybody and still lose. Like, it's yeah. the opposite reaction of, of things. Well. I, I don't know. I hope it gets figured out. And I, I feel bad for the players that are on the team. I will say I do have a family friend that plays for them. And I am going to go and support him and support the team because I still love the Coliseum. Oh. It's my, I've said this before. It's my shithole. Um, and I grew up going to games there. And I will stand nice. by any A's fan if anyone wants to 
um, say that we're not loyal because how do you stick with your team after this is constantly the case? It's I, I would agree. Never ending cycle. Um, but I would much rather them leave and go somewhere else because I not, not I look and don't get me wrong. I would love for them to stay in Oakland and and it bolster the economy here and create jobs and things like that. But I just think that it's like unfair for the product itself. It's unfair to the players that play for this team to have them stay here and be treated the way that they're being treated. Um, oh. I just, I don't know. Well, Godspeed with your A's. <laughs> um, On to happier conversations with his, before we talk Disney and your glass straw, um, <laughs> we have to rank our number nine team. Oh, yeah. Our number nine team. So, <clears throat> Let me see. Oh, you've got this amazing spreadsheet updated. So my top eight up until this point, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Texas A&M, Utah, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan. There is a lot of synergy here. We have used all the same teams. I believe that's going to change this week. You had Alabama, of course, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Texas A&M, Utah, and then you as well, Notre Dame, Michigan. So the last two weeks, we are in lockstep. However... Dot, dot, dot. I believe that changes here. You have a very interesting team, now that I look. And speaking of haters, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get some serious hate from this. Um, and I will. the hint I will give is that they're back. Oh, God. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I picked Texas, and here's why. Because I started looking at some numbers. <coughs> oh, and... The football power index came out and I gave it a little peek and now they have a, a really solid quarterback. If some would say once in a generation quarterback in Quinn Ewers. So, you know, can we, can we talk about that power index real quick? Like, no, that, don't bring it up. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, who else was on there? Like, Okay, but to be fair, look at look at what we've picked. And this came out what last week? Okay, let me just say the power index is Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. All good. Clemson. Fine. Notre Dame. Okay. Then Texas and Michigan. Yes. Where's Texas AM on this list? Hold on. And then Oklahoma. Okay. And then Pitt. Okay, to be fair, that's not factoring in. Oklahoma's not factoring in. They have a new coach and things like that. This is just by the numbers. Well, and then Auburn. So, look, I, I'm going to separate the Texas argument from yes, the FBI. Yes, you, you can. Because, in my opinion, getting a, a once-in-a-generation quarterback recruit, get a, having Steve Sarkeesian already be in a lowest of low points in terms of first year. We thought it was going to be great, but it hasn't been. They're going to take an L to Alabama early, but... We'll be able to gauge sort of how good they are early on, by, and that's going to be a quality loss, all right? We yes. already know. But we're going to be able to gauge how good they are in their starting point from that Alabama game. Okay, I don't hate Texas. In fact, I mean, I love the Sarkire. I think Quinn Ewers is going to be really interesting. You've got another year of Bijan, last yes. year of Bijan. You've got some offensive players. They actually were killing it in the transfer portal. Um, like, we like to shit on Texas. They should be very good. I just need to see more of Quinn Ewers. Like, I, I need to see him. Like, I, you know, the mullet is amazing. I was going to say, you can't miss him with the mullet. <laughs> the, the year at Ohio State, I think, is going to help, too. I just want to see more 
Uh, their offensive line class, which they paid like a bazillion dollars for this year, yeah. was amazing. Like, there, there's a lot to like. Like, there's a lot sh- to like. Shitting on Texas aside, which we love to do, we do love to do. I don't hate this. I'm just not quite there. It's a, it's a, it's a reach. I'm not saying it's not a reach, but I also feel like it's a fair assessment based on like the ceiling. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm very much betting on them reaching their full potential. <laughs> they better get their shit together, by the way, before they go to the SEC, because otherwise it's going to be... It's going to be miserable. It's going to be really bad. Um, I will stay in the Big 12. Oklahoma State. This team was really good last year. Like, really good. And Spencer Sanders is an interesting guy. Um, bowl game gets Notre Dame. Second half. Holy crap. Right? Yeah. So they've, they've got some... They've got some really good players. They lose Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator. That's a huge loss. You can't like, I mean, that's massive to Ohio State. To so Ohio the defense State, right, is yeah. gonna it's gonna take a step back. Mike Gundy has been through like the roller coaster. We talked about Dabo of a guy that I have mixed feelings about. Like Gundy's the same way. I've interviewed Gundy a lot, and like I've had some of my favorite interviews with Gundy. He's got some um, unique political views. Uh, he's worn some interesting T-shirts. He's said some interesting shit. I mean, uh, he's the he's man. He's forty. Yeah, <laughs> like, but but like the guy also wins like at a really yeah. high high rate. So I'm curious to see what the defensive loss is. But I like some of their offensive players. They, they have a, a decent amount of people back. returning, right? Yeah, they got okay. a lot coming back. So this team last year was no joke. Like they were no joke. Um, and what they were down twenty eight to three against Notre Dame and came back and like all of a sudden it looked good. <laughs> like that was a great game. So I. This is where my top 25, full disclosure, starts to get a little – things start to go off the rails. Yeah. Like, I think for me, like, this is where I start to lose confidence in, in who I'm ranking. Me too, because I'm like, you know what? I'm betting on these people having, the, like, the season yeah. of the century, really. Or like, yeah, and, for sure. And for, and for Texas, like, I want them to be good because, again, I hate this so much. Remember how we talked about this? I hate when they're like, oh, when college football is better, when I think it's going to be fun if Texas is actually good. Like, Imagine you if USC another... and Texas are good. Like, yeah. Like, and Miami, for that matter. Like, all three have really good coaches that I like. Imagine if have... Oklahoma doesn't miss a beat either and those two teams yeah. join the SEC and and are are yeah. good. You know what I mean? Like, and, and add some competition there that sometimes – is not there on the lower end. I don't disagree that these teams, like you've got three teams, you're covering the coast here, right? Like, and you've got teams that we'd love to see back Mm -hmm. Miami, Texas, and USC, like levels of backness. I think we need to check. Like we need to keep, we need to stop using that people are back because being back means you won a national championship. Yeah, what was it? Sam Ellinger at the bowl game? Yeah. Like, after they beat Georgia? Like, we're back. Oh, no. Like, no, Sam. But, Nice guy, I by the way. I don't hate it. No, I don't. I don't hate the pick. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I just really can't wait for college football season now. Uh, I'm with you there. Okay, but last and not least, part of the reason we're pushing our pod a little bit next week is because I am going to. You're traveling too. Yes. Uh, you've got stuff to do. I'm going to Disney World with my family uh, on Sunday. I wore my Mickey shirt for this episode, by the oh way. Oh, my God. Yeah, so you're decked out in the mouse. So I um, I have learned a lot. I went when I was a kid. I have not been back, obviously, in a long, long time. <laughs> Paige, this is fucking crazy. Okay, first off, 
I need it's like it's like basically a second mortgage to go. Yes. Uh, this these days. So that's whatever. I knew that coming in. That's not been a surprise. The level of coordination all week. I have been checking line situations for rides all week. No. Where it's like, oh goddamn, Peter Pan's flight right now is fucking sixty three minutes. Shit, we got to get ready for that. Um, I is it just you, your wife, and your kids going? Yes, it's the okay. five of us. But we're rolling deep. We got three of them, and part of the problem is there. We got three very different ages. We got the seven, five, and soon to be three. So I've who got, looks I'm, like he's five? <laughs> who looks? Yeah, who's like Bam Bam? But so I am. Um, I am very intimidated by Disney, okay. and I also wonder, like. We're going to get there at, I don't know, 8 in the morning. And, like, you stay there till 8 at night. Mm -hmm. It's going to be 90 degrees. This is not going to end well for me. The part that I'm most scared about, the hotel room, right? So we're staying at the beach club, which is nice. This is where I stayed at the kid. Great pool. Like, but we're staying in, like, a solo room. Like, a single room with, like, and when my kids are done... They don't just melt gracefully into the good night, right? <laughs> they don't just go to bed. There are going to be some fucking tears, like, and probably from me when things are, <laughs> when shit, like when you get home from the park and the day is ending, I should record that because it would get, it would go viral on the here's, park. Here's a pro tip um, at what? nighttime. I know this might be like an anti-parent thing because sugar is not really the best thing to give them, but always end like with a treat that they get getting back to the hotel room. Because I think getting back to the hotel is always the part where you lose them. Because yes. they're not in the park anymore and distracted by the park things. And getting to your hotel takes a bit. And I feel like that's where meltdowns start. And then it just is just hard to bring that back and rein it back in. But like a treat once you get there, like a room service or something special to, to get them there might be a, a good idea. Yeah, I think it does speak to the larger point about bribes being a crucial part of this trip. Bribes yes. are going to be integral uh, in surviving this. Yes. Um, so we're doing the Magic Kingdom. We're doing Epcot. Um, this is going to be like the other thing about this page, like we're, you know, COVID has, you know, really screwed up family travel. And we, I've traveled some during all this, but my kids really have not. Yes. Like, just getting on a goddamn airplane is going to be an act of God for my family. Especially because you're outnumbered. Is oh, this yeah. the first time so, you've flown with all three of your kids? Um, I was thinking about that. I think it is. I think it is. Like, so, you know, we're, we've got three in one side and then two. So the sixth person, if you're listening to this and you're that sixth <laughs> seat, I, I'm so sorry in advance. I am so sorry that you are going to have to endure us on your plane ride do you do you want to know something that's going to not shock you at all i fly southwest pretty often because they go in the there's a hub here in oakland it goes pretty much everywhere i need to go on the west coast sure um i will actively choose to sit by like families and kids because i love kids and i don't mind the fact that they like lose their mind every now and then I am like that because I also don't sleep on planes either. So I'm like very much the like person that will like volunteer to sit next to kids because like I don't mind. Um, wow. But I that and but that's just like that's such a page thing to do because I'm not. I know that's not the norm, and I know it's really weird, but it's just because like I understand that that kid's gonna probably have a meltdown or want to talk to me fifty times, um, and like get my attention. Um, but I really don't mind it. 
I am already loading up iPads. I love that your dog barks at the end of every episode. He does. He makes it through every episode until the very end, and then he decides that he's going to protect me from the mailman or the UPS guy or the Amazon driver. Like, he just cannot help himself. It's like our wrap it up. Like, yeah, it's like, it's like the, hey, you guys rep- have been going for a little while. He's been quiet for an hour, so he's like, you know what? At this point, we need to we need to move on. Um, but fair. But no, I hope you have a great time. I'm excited to hear about that. I will say, I'm going to need you and Caitlin to try some of the drinks, at least in oh, yeah. Epcot too, like drinking around sure. the world. Um, I know like it's going to be really hot. You'll probably sweat out most of it, but drink as much as you can. That'll also help. The Epcot drinking around the world, we've discussed this. I've got to be in line. I've got to be able to parent. Um, like, but, but you know, you've, you've, we've done this. You know I can handle my booze. So there's going to yes. be some drinking around the world going on. Yes. Um, for sure. So I'm, I will have stories. We will mix in draft content. We will mix in Disney content. Uh, we'll have all sorts of stuff coming back. And, uh, yeah, you're traveling as well. So yeah. safe travels to you. Thank you. I'm headed to New York. So that should be fun. Go Mets. Just Go Mets. Saying. I'm going to a Yankees game. I'm not going to a Mets game. I've been to a Mets game. Damn it. Yeah. The, oh, Mets have the better stadium, by the way. But it's like better really, venue. really far out there. It is. It is. The stadium, though, food offerings, craft beer selection. It was good. I I only drink beer at ballparks, um, so I did have a beer. I think I had like ice cream and – they don't have Shake Shack. They have something there that's like pretty it- – they, they go all out. Indigenous to New York or something that I had. But um, that was a couple yes. years ago now. It was before COVID. Um, but now going back and going to a Yankees game. So it should be fun. All right. Well, Godspeed in New York. Uh, go Mets. I will report back on Disney. And we will talk to you guys next week. Sounds good. Mm-hmm.